Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Duval and Rasmussen finally crossed paths. We get an update into Marie's case, and also we have a possible break. We'll talk about all of that in episode three of Unbelievable on the After Show, and it starts right now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. How's everyone doing out there? This is the Unbelievable After Show. Unbelievable, the Netflix original series, episode three. My name is Flobo Boys. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're listening live on YouTube or on the podcast of your choosing. Thank you so much for having us in your ear. Uh, before we get into everything that happened today on episode three, I want to introduce my co-host today. This person right here, this individual, is the host of the other life, another life after show here on AfterBuzz TV, as well as a contributor to AfterBuzz's live sports and entertainment contract. Uh, give up for Jack Farmer, everybody. Man, Flobo, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to be on the second episode, so yeah. I'm glad to be on the third. This show is picking up steam. Are you, are you caught up? I am all caught up. I love it. I, yeah. It was hard to stop. Sure, before absolutely. This, so, so I wasn't ahead when we did this show. So let me get your thoughts about episode two real, real quick, because I know it seems that the the, the, the momentum is picking up. Just go from yeah. episode one to two to three now. Like, tell me your journey so far in Unbelievable. So yeah, the first episode obviously is very dark and is very heavy, but what was nice about the second episode is how it really started to kind of show the process of finding this person and made you feel better about maybe we're going to find who this person is. Mm -hmm. And so as dark as the first episode was, the second episode gave you just that little glimmer of light that makes me really want to see this through. Actually, and, and so in this episode now, episode three, just your overall thoughts of what's inspired here, getting more in touch with the characters and see how they're playing with each other. Yeah, I'm loving the two uh, two female police officers, uh, Rasmussen and Duvall. Duvall, because they are. I love the way they they work together, but they kind of don't work together. That they how they try to contribute, but they also kind of keep things secret at times, or they do things on their own. At least through this episode. Yeah, let's just dive into that because I do agree with you, and their dynamic is something that was a main through line. In episode three. It does seem to me that they're both two different flavors of thorough, right? Duval has her own methods. Rasmussen has her own methods, but they, they they don't seem to be adversarial, but they're not necessarily like one the same. Yeah, I love the two different flavors of thorough. That's a great phrase <laughs> yeah. for those two because they are both. I, I have I put for my notes both of them tough as nails, right. tough as nails. But you're right, they're very different. I I believe that. Rasmussen is definitely the more charismatic of the two, and uh, Duval seems to be the more empathetic of the two. And in my notes, I remember as I was writing this, I was taking notes, and I wrote down that Duval's like the heart, and Rasmussen's like the muscle. Okay, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they definitely are both people who take things as far as they can, as far as how many notes they take, as far as how thorough they are. Uh, one of my favorite little scenes was when they were pulling cases from different counties and they said, oh, did you get the whole county? And she said, I got the whole state. Right. She said, did you go back three years? I went back five years. Right. And just to show just how detailed these two are. 
Yeah, and I remember jumping ahead a bit, but that, that scene when they said, hey, look, this is the Westminster case file, and it's just super thorough, and it was like, well, I guess we're going through every single part of this report. I was like, wow, that's great. Uh, I guess it's a very uh, worn TV trope of the, you know, I don't want to, I don't like this person, but they're eccentric, and they get the, the work done, or I don't like this person, they're in my way, but we're, we're unhappy allies. I know this is based on a true story, but wasn't that a little, a little bit different for you, or did you see that coming with the relationship? Yeah, usually with these, for lack of a better term, buddy cop situations, there's the one that's straight-laced and detailed, and then the one that isn't as straight-laced but seems to get results. But in this case, both of them are straight-laced, and both of them do good work. And that's why seeing them come together, you really actually, as a viewer, feel empowered, like, oh, this guy's got it coming because they're going to find him one way or the other. Yeah, And it was actually kind of a feel-good moment seeing them come together and working together because... Again, that first episode being so dark, it puts you in such a dark place. And again, that little bit of light they start to give you that justice is going to be served. These two make you just think, yes, I cannot wait to see this play out. Yeah, my favorite line was definitely the, bitch, you on your game. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that's yes. great, too, because, again, the, the crimes themselves are incredibly heinous. And, and you wanted to see it brought to justice. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that, even though it, it is based on a true story, um, you don't want to you want to be rooting for the people that actually do it. Right. You want to be rooting for the heroes here in the case. So yeah. the fact that you have someone that is so direct with their casework and, and still find a way to to balance their family and they avoid those tropes of, of being like a jerk to everyone but definitely is more or less they have their moments of complexity but they really have uh, finding the person at large into justice as their main goal and I'm all along for the ride right yeah and what I love about these two is that they never seem to let setbacks stop them especially in contrast to the first two police officers we met in episode one who seem to see a few speed bumps and say well never mind this isn't going to work where with uh, Rasmussen, the first thing we really see her do is bring in a suspect, interrogate him, and even though it looked like he wasn't the right person, she was still digging into him, seeing how she could use him to help her find a find out who the perpetrator was in that case. And that goes for Duvall as well. Just everything they do, they just do not let up. And it's very different in contrast to the first two officers. And something I'm excited for, and I don't want to jump ahead, but as they look back at the other cases, I cannot wait for the moment. And I hope we get to see it when all four of those cops meet and they get to ask them, so why didn't you follow up on this case originally? <laughs> and you find the wall. Yes, and see how that plays out. I think that's going to be a very fun scene. Oh, yeah, sure. You touched upon uh, the opening scene of this episode and how it dovetails with the end of the second episode. Uh, it mm-hmm. was it, like the first episode, too. It was also a cliffhanger. You had someone out there just hanging out uh, in the dark, you know, in an area where a crime had happened. Did you think that, that alibi was, were you expecting that alibi at all? And if you were, uh, would you think that he was telling the truth there? No, at first I thought it was going to be, as a viewer, you're watching and you think this is where they present her as someone who gets her man, right? And that she was going to have all these facts and things to convict him of a crime. So when he had an alibi, a good alibi with lots of witnesses, it really shocked me. I thought, oh, so he's clearly not the guy. And then, again, what I love, though, is she didn't just stop and go, oh, oopsie-daisy, I'm so sorry. Well, if there's anything you can do to help, she still had that same passion and that same uh, energy and anger. To, like, we need to find someone. If this was your sister, if this was your mom, if this was someone you knew, would you want the other people to help out or not? And I thought that was really cool of that character. Yeah, that was definitely a good character moment. I think that's one of the stronger character moments of this series so far for me because it, if it was an episodic television show on 
traditional broadcast television, you would say, oh, I get it. This little tag was you to watch the second, second episode. But now you have this format that's not on here. It's binge. You can binge it, right? Mm-hmm. And it could have been an easy write-off. It, him being, oh, I thought the guy. Move on to the next scene. But we had that moment there of, of Grace sitting down and saying, look, man, uh, I'm doing what I'm doing at the best of my ability because these people, the, these these citizens deserve that, if not more. Um, can you understand that? As someone who is dedicated to their own craft, someone who's dedicated to going to conferences and talking about bacteria and streams and water and stuff. So right. not, not only was it a good way for her to reach down to his level inside the story, but it was a good moment for us watching at home saying, okay, she's just not some loose cannon cop who's just hanging outside doing these like rogue things with no backup. You know, she has a, a methodology to it. It was also a really interesting comparison with that scene and the one with Duval when she was interviewing the neighbor who she needed to get references for where she was when the event happened. And she sort of kind of left with her tail between her legs when she got yelled at. She she obviously took the numbers to call to follow up, but you could tell she felt really bad. Where I think if those two characters were reversed, I think Grace would have said, listen, we got to cover our ground. We got to check every box. And yeah. she would have hit back a little harder. But that's why I think Duvall is a little bit more empathetic and has a little bit more heart. And I think that's what the director or the writers really wanted us to see with those two scenes. Yeah, interesting dynamic. And I love to see how it plays up more as the future episodes go on. But before we move on to the actual investigation, Jack, you tell the world <clears throat> how they can listen to this AfterBuzz program and other AfterBuzz programs out there? Yeah, you can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. And you can listen to a whole bunch of other content from AfterBuzz TV. And we want to thank you guys for making us us, the ESPN of After TV Talk, because of all the programs. And we can't keep doing it without people like you. So please keep on watching. And when you do, it would mean the world to us if you just click that like button, click that subscribe button, click that follow button. And while you're there, leave a comment, leave a review. Those things are actually very valuable to us in this SEO-driven world. And of course, if you really love the stuff, share it with your friends. Let people know. We would love to have them as viewers as well. So thanks again. When was the last time you shared this show? I shared it this uh, today on This morning, yeah. Twitter, I saw that. yes. <laughs> See, I was yeah. setting you up there yeah. to knock out the park. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the actual investigation. Some, not quite the smoking gun here, but we do have a little bit more of a direction of where this case is going to go. Uh, before we even get to how it ended, let's talk about how it began. Um, mm-hmm. It's just about how the, the evidence was collected here and, and the lapses in the traditional form of investigation. I'm thinking about the strike team under Duval uh, when she had to like you know chastise her crew for saying, hey, look, you're not following up and on these lab results, what's mm-hmm. going on. Just running through that as a viewer, what did that say to you about her as a character, her as a team leader, and the investigation is going on? I know Grace, again, she's Grace is the more charismatic of the two, but I really believe Duvall's the MVP of this case so far. She's the leader. She's the one that is always kind of cracking the whip to make sure that people are working harder, doing more. She's also the one that goes to visits Grace's district to make sure she's doing things and to give her ideas. She's really the one pulling everything together. And I think that scene was really good to show that she, as I've said before, she's the heart, but she's also someone that is going to do everything it takes, and she demands that from her people as well. That, that's great, but let's put yourself in, uh, in in Morris's case. You know, you're just a guy just doing his job, nice pressed uniform, and just getting the brunt of the <laughs> fire and ire. I mean, sometimes they say that's a little bit too heavy for the, the situation, or is that justified? I think if we're realistic, I think if you have a job and you do it every single day, it is easy to start to become complacent, and it is easy to start to maybe lower your standards. But that's what makes Duval so great is she doesn't, and she demands it. And I, I 
felt after she said all those things, yeah, you, sh you should be working harder. And, of course, when they make the phone call and find out that the results were ready, it was one of those moments of, yes, you need to continue pushing hard and never let up, especially after that scene. Um, and I can't remember if it was before or after. I believe it was right before mm -hmm. where Amber's boyfriend was talking about how we only have seven days. What are you doing here? Right. I'm a mathematician. And I wrote my numbers. It's like, ow, ow, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so when you hear that, you think, yeah, you don't have time to wait for two days for these results to come back. That's how people get away. And uh, I really love that scene. Again, I love both these characters. Yeah, the, the, what I like about the show as a whole, and it's very exemplified here in episode three, is that we're kind of trained in that law and order, or in my case, I'm a CSI guy. I'm a CSI person <laughs> of, of having, you know, crime, investigation, investigation, confession, call it a day. This this very linear track. That's why we call it procedural. That is the procedure of an investigation. But I think the, the show, even though it is eight episodes in total, is very good at creating the space, the moving parts, different kind of emotions, and things where things can fall through the cracks. I mean, we've seen uh, officers or detectives in the first episode who weren't as much on their game, or we saw a little bit of a a personal interplay between our other investigators now which can cause delays in investigation so kudos to them but there's a good point if if you're sitting at home saying oh look it's only been 40 hours I mean those 40 hours can be the most critical especially when it comes time to sexual assault so yeah something that I think the show does really well as they are filling us with all this information from the investigation side they have a very subtle I don't know if he's going to play a bigger part but I love that they added the intern yeah. in the police department, which to me as a viewer feels very much like someone who's really just there so they have an excuse to explain what all these little details actually mean <laughs> yeah, and what they are, are there for without sounding obvious. And so I love that little character because you also see just how difficult this stuff is because with, with CSI and all these other shows, you think, oh, you got a skin cell. Well, we found him. Right. How they, <laughs> One hair follicle. Yeah, yeah they, but it's clearly not that easy, especially with a criminal that is this good at doing what he's doing and that 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 thorough on his own. Yeah, it was a good point here because, I, I, again, back to CSI, I'm familiar with CODIS because I watched it all the time. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you don't know what CODIS is? But then the idea was like, no, they lowered the expectations for CODIS and what CODIS can do. And I go, oh my gosh, like, what else can you do? And they talked about the YSTRs, and even then that wasn't an accurate exam. It does help to break that CSI effect they call where someone watches these fictional programs and expect the world. But uh, back to the investigation as far as overall, I like Duval's taking her inference of saying, hey, look, this is somebody who knows multiple languages, probably past military, uh, is very, very clean. Maybe, just maybe, this person might be an officer of the law. After she said that, I was surprised I didn't come to that realization sooner. I mean, maybe other viewers realize that right away, but to me, when she said that, it, I thought, it's Dexter. It's someone who's on the inside who knows what's happening, yeah. and that's how he's getting away with this for so long. And it, it makes it very fascinating to think if this is a police officer. The thing that it got me thinking about as well is – if he started in Washington State and now he's in Colorado, if he is a police officer, where would he be housed? And then it also made me think, obviously, years have passed. Unfortunately, that means has he been making his way across the states? Very good point. So how many has – I think we're going to find out at some point how many there have been. Sure. But, yeah, it does raise a very interesting question if he is law enforcement. I love how they mention that it's very difficult – to convict a police officer, how to get help if it's a police officer. Right. And again, this is back to the overall theme of subverting uh, television tropes. There is that, that looming IED 
uh, IAD, excuse me, not IAD, IAD, Eternal Affairs Department uh, storyline in the background. Do we get them involved? Do we Are we the ones that make that risk? Um, it just seems like in, in other forms of media that IAD always are, are seen as villains or even anti-villains of, hey, look, I'm just doing a job. No one's above the law. But this must be very, very scary if you're in this 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 community where you're taking, taking an oath and you're supposed to uphold the law and you're thinking just possibly, if not someone in your media jurisdiction, there's someone there that has your badge as doing some kind of heinous crime. Just, just lots about that. Well, it's very easy for us as viewers to not think about that as being a big deal. It's very easy for us to think, oh, yeah, it's, if it's a police officer, you get internal affairs and they're going to help you out. But if you put yourself in that position and you work with someone, let's say you're working with them for 20 years, let's say we're doing this for 20 years, and then you find out that I've called the police to investigate you because I think you're a criminal. Right. It's hard to not take that personally, sure. especially if your whole job is finding criminals. And so it's very easy to see how calling them in has got to be very offensive if you're a police officer or even if it's in your district. If someone was to say someone here at AfterBuzz is a criminal, I think all of us would be like, who are you to say yeah. that, <laughs> that, that someone here is a criminal? We would all become defensive. So I get that that would be a very hard thing to do. And as they say, you get freezed out from everyone if that happens because no one wants to be involved with the person who is hunting down their own, for lack of a better term. True. Full disclosure, I have a lot of uh, overdue library books. Uh, just a <laughs> thought about the white truck uh, that, that's been circling around the properties and having Dubai actually spend the night, uh, and, and parent, mind you, uh, right. listening and logging these different vehicles that are passing by these security cameras and find that white truck being one of the main constants. What's your thoughts about that? What I really liked about that scene is that it showed me just how hard she is actually working because sometimes shows will just show a scene of them at a desk on, on a phone and they say, oh, they must be up late. But when you see her jotting down every time and every vehicle that goes by on a notepad for a surveillance camera, you think, could I stay up until 4 a.m. just writing all that down and trying to get information on all those vehicles? It's got to be very monotonous and very difficult, but obviously this is such an important case. She has to do it. I think if good TV is going to say that something has to happen with that white truck, otherwise, why did they spend so much time yeah. showing it? If I if I'm being honest, if I was a police officer, I don't know if I would have followed it. Yeah, but maybe that's why I'm not a detective. Right. But even the other officers were saying, and I think it was here. I was like, hey, there's a lot of reasons why that truck can be going around, charging a dead battery, fight with the wife, cruising for. You know, right. <laughs> so the the idea here that yeah, it could be nothing, but it could be something, and that's just a lot to anyone's intuition to say. I don't know. There's something about that. Uh, just wrapping up that part of the show, I, I feel like the not so much the smoking gun or the cases broken open, but there is a third instance of, of a case in Boulder now, uh, mm -hmm. Aurora. Aurora of a 72-year-old grandmother. So there was the idea of combining the forces and resources. Now this could be huge. Now you have uh, both departments, if not more, under the same roof, but some maybe some federal uh, assistance as well. I mean, is this really the path? We are, are we on to finding who did this? Or do you think this is just another step until another reversal here? So that's so just to make sure we're keeping track, that's the fourth total, right? Because there would be Marie, Amber, then there was the the woman whose name I'm forgetting Correct. that Grace was investigating, and then this one in Aurora. Um, 
So there's four, and I apologize. What was the original question? Uh, now the authorities will be uh, combined. So now they're putting yeah. all the counties in one roof, uh, definitely under, uh, with Rasmussen's house because he has better toys, quote-unquote. Right. <laughs> and federal authorities will be involved, the FBI and that as well. So it looks like there's going to be a joint task force happening as of episode three. Just your thoughts yeah. about that now, now that we're having even more players looking for this seemingly super clean, uh, not clean, but like super thorough yeah. criminal. Well, I think what we're going to see, and because you can kind of see this a little bit with just the the two, uh, Duval and Grace, you could see them, I think, a little bit wanting to be the one that cracked the case themselves. And the more people you bring in, I think we're going to see a lot of conflict between different people. You know, maybe the Aurora police officer saying, no, 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 this is still my case. Right. Or the FBI coming in and saying, we're, we're in control now, or whoever else they bring in. And I think it'll be nice for them to have all this new information, but it's also going to be a lot more cooks in that kitchen, yeah. which will make it a lot more fascinating as well. Sure. Yeah. Just before I move on, just real quick thoughts about Max. I know they, uh, Max Duvall, you know, aka Max yeah. the Knife, he's kind of in the yeah. background. Do you think he's, a, I mean, I don't know his predictions, but I'm saying, yeah. what do you think he's, his role is going to be here? I think he's got he's to have some bigger role because they keep him, they keep teasing him in the background. They never answered what Max the Knife was for. No, I was waiting for right? that. Yeah. She, so, she, yeah, she texts him, Max the Knife, and he said something like, I'll explain. I'll explain it. <laughs> which is uh, always something you'll which say. Which is always. <laughs> you're in trouble, right? I can explain. Uh, yeah, and so he, uh, clearly is a police officer as well. I don't think they said exactly what his role is in law enforcement. Yeah. But he's apparently, a shortstop on the team. He's a shortstop on the team. He's at, his knee needs to get better. Right. And uh, he works nights, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll, he'll have a bigger role just because if he doesn't, it seems like a wasted opportunity to have this character replayed over and over mm-hmm. to not be used later. Uh, some, so I think that'll play a role and not to get too far into predictions. I think something will happen with their safe at home because they show them going in and out of their safe often. Yeah. So I think that, that'll play a role in some way. Well, that's fair. I mean, again, Sorry, that's predictions. We're too early for that. that, that that's a pre-prediction. <laughs> pre-prediction. I predict I will talk about that in just a little bit. That is a tease. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, we're getting some more fallout from Marie's case. Uh, this poor girl uh, said – well, she didn't say. She uh, – has the worst news possible delivered to her. Judith tries to meet her at work to cut her off at the past. Turns out that uh, it's been leaked that she was uh, falsely reporting her crime um, and she's dealing with, with just calls and text and her name in the paper. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of that and what she's going through, just overall thoughts about how you as a viewer are going through that with Marie as she got that revelation. I just feel terrible for her. Again, we we talked about this episode one, but it's one of those things where you have one of the worst possible things that could ever happen to you. And not only does no one believe you, but now everyone is judging you online. And it's something that happens online. People will pile on to a situation. And so you can, it's very believable that if her name and number got out there, that everyone would stop, start bombarding her. And it makes you see that she's just even more isolated and more alone than ever before. And Judith even said the words when she says, your friends. Yeah, you don't have any friends. You don't have any friends right now. I was sad. Which was a terrible thing to say. I mean, we all say things that we probably didn't mean to say or it didn't come out the way we wanted to. But as soon as she said that, I thought that's the worst thing you could have said right now. Absolutely. And it's 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 one thing for Judith to give her advice, like don't answer your phone, don't do this. But if you're in that situation, your phone's ringing, people are calling you. You she's probably reaching out for someone to be a friend, which we saw she did multiple times and it didn't 
necessarily work out. Yeah, taking a step back, especially uh, as a heterosexual cisgender male, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where we don't ever get ha- the full story of, mm-hmm. especially with, with, with sex crimes in general, but even even things you hear in the news. You know, you have an article here at, at most, or you hear a friend you read an article, or you look at a preview of an article and read it yourself, and you make mm-hmm. your own conclusions, and you don't really realize these are actual people. I mean, this is a minor still, and her mm-hmm. face is in the, the paper of this community, and, and it's, it's hard to see that. And there's someone who's trying to go back to work and, and trying to go back to some sort of normalcy and now is having to deal with that stuff on top of that and uh, like for example I mean it was like one of the most roughest times her trying to bike home and like slip behind the media or whatever and and it wasn't even like oh there is that girl is hey is that her <laughs> you know right. it was it was really egregious yeah right it felt I just felt terrible for her this this whole way through um, she there was a line that she said about everything I, I feel like it was the the line of the whole series so far and she said she was talking to connor and she said when they're bigger than you you can't win yeah. and it, that just this whole thing is that this whole show is that whether mm-hmm. it be the actual uh rapist that uh, attacked her whether it be the police that bullied her whether it be social media that is now attacking her uh the communities around her and as we are told about her past life it seems like growing up she had this her whole life and it you just feel terrible for her and i think it's a good reminder that before we judge anyone that we see on tv or that we see in the news before we make those snap judgments and start commenting and making our decisions, we really should learn as a, as a society to learn more about the situation before making judgments. Absolutely. Um, and it also icing on the cake, if, if I can say so myself, is her getting that citation for falsely reporting a crime. And and, and, and poor uh, Ty, not poor Ty, but Ty was yeah. like, I oh, will deal with it tomorrow. And it's like, you can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when someone's dealing with it, I got a, well, I'm saying this, I, if I got a bad letter that has some kind of news like that, and I'm upset now saying, don't worry about till tomorrow, is the worst possible thing to tell someone. Who was feeling that that all day, just getting that crushing, and you know? Right. I thought Ty, the he he played that very well. He definitely had that. I don't want to be the one to deal with this, so let's have the person in the morning deal with this right. kind of attitude. I think he was playing that card, where uh, I don't want to tell you that you're okay, but we'll deal with this tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Ty's done no favors for me this season. I feel like no, he hasn't done anything where it's like that's a good guy. No, he's he, that's that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, he he definitely seems like someone who just has a job there, mm-hmm. and he, that's what he's doing. He's just doing his job. He's doing his job. And I thought it felt unfair to me that she got that because when she went to go take the lie detector test, he said, "If you're lying, then I have to arrest you." But then she said, okay, I won't. He let her go, and then yet they send the citation anyways. Yeah. So it felt, I was thinking, she should have just, she should just go back then and say, cool, well, then I'm going to take the lie detector test. Right. Because at that point, she's getting punished anyways. Yeah, it's it funny to see how she's going to respond to that. Uh, but going back to Connor real quick and, and how they had that moment there, and you see that there's actually, you know, she's still normal, that she has dreams and aspirations and what she wants to do. They go off for a drive, which takes mm-hmm. it back to my youth where that was like the thing to do like let's go out for a drive right um, and she asked uh, Connor that you know about their past relationship I'm mean, just what thoughts about that it looked like they were going to do something but somehow religion got in the way and separated them in their path and she actually was willing to, to try marriage to, to see some sort of, sort of her past life just thoughts about that yeah they, they seem like they'd be a, a good couple they seem to get along well he seems like he likes her a lot Obviously, he says the religion somehow got in the way. And as you mentioned, she definitely wants to give marriage a try, give the religion a try. 
uh, as a uh, you know armchair psychiatrist here, it seems like she's just latching on to something. Like this is the only thing I he's the only person that is giving her the time of day, that's being nice to her, that's trusting her, that isn't judging her. And so she's saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to keep this person in my life because you're the last one there. Yeah. And so it's it's a bit unfortunate because I think if they broke up, she wasn't ready for that the first time around. Mm-hmm. Now she has no other choice. But Connor seems like a nice guy. Yeah, if, I, if I was her dad, I'd say, okay. He <laughs> seems like a nice guy. Um, I, I hope that if she decides to, to go over the church route in future episodes, this is also predictions that it's still accepting for her based on what happened to her. You know, I hope it's one of her communities that opened it with open arms. But just final thoughts on this episode, general thoughts before we move on. Just are you watching it from to end uh, as a viewer? Yeah. Again, I, I said in the beginning of the show that you, you get put in the dark, you get a little bit of light and a little bit of more. I feel almost like that the good guys, quote-unquote, are building their army. They're getting their huge task force together to do whatever they need to do to find this guy. And I'm I'm getting excited to see them bring the hammer of justice down on this guy. <laughs> and I'm getting excited that Marie, looking back at the timeline, I, I feel so bad. I'm realizing that she clearly has to go at least three years before this is ever brought to justice. I mean, I guess some people never get justice, but right. at the very least she has to wait three years and deal with all this stuff for three years before it, before any justice is served. But I'm getting really excited because the more they are building up, it feels like I am more and more likely going to see justice. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, you raise a good point. Yeah. I mean, even if it's one of those ideal situations where an attacker who's not in the show, of course, is in general, is is, is caught, and then there's they have the right to their trial, that trial can last months, if not years, with evidence collection and, and juries and, and even hung juries and retrials and all mm-hmm. that. So maybe someone who is fortunate enough to find their attacker caught still has to deal with difficulties and maybe even testifying, too, mm-hmm. on their own trial. I mean, again, I'm only spitballing here. Every case is different. So it's never that quite speedy. So uh, three years is, is a long time. But like you mentioned before, I mean, some people don't want to get justice at all. So um, here's hoping it, it is a good story for, for Maria, uh, for Marie. Um, but now it's time for our special segment of the evening. It's now time for Who Caught You? Yes. So we're going to lighten the mood here a little bit. I got a fun story uh, for Who Caught You? It's, it's basically just uh, this segment, by the way, if this is your first episode. We like to go ahead and show how criminals have been caught in the past in funny or silly kind of ways. And so I want to tell you the story about a guy named James Washington in Nashville, Tennessee. Do you know him personally? I know him very well. No, I don't know him. Okay. But, um, but the Marie lives in Washington, right. James Washington. There's a connection. It's <laughs> a very tenuous uh, it's connection. It's a very... <laughs> so, so he murdered someone, and he got away with it. Totally got away with it. They weren't able to find him. Three years, that's nothing. This guy was... Living life for 17 years, and one day, one day, he has a heart attack, right? It's a bad one. Okay. So it's bad. He's, he's got a heart attack. He's not going to make it. He's got a guilty conscience. So as he's dying, he says he killed this person. He confesses on his deathbed. Clutching his chest. It's like Clutching his chest. That's a some editorial... Uh, okay, dramatization. Dramatization. Yeah. But So he's clutching his chest, and he confesses at the last second... They save his life. They save his life. They saved his life. He pulled through, and that saved life is yeah. now being spent in prison because he confessed to a crime that he had otherwise gotten away with 
completely. Wow, that is irony to a T. So, who caught you? You caught yourself, James. <laughs> <laughs> you caught yourself. <laughs> that reminds me of that, that old Henry story, the cop and the anthem, where like you know, there's a hobo that's trying to like get arrested, have a wife's warm meal, and some shelter, and you know, he's out there in the park, you know, trying to get arrested. He can't get arrested, and he goes, "You know what? I have so much to live for. Life is grand. I'm not going to get arrested." And he gets arrested for loitering. It's like this weird, ironic, recursive <laughs> thing. Well, who caught you? Who caught yourself? Uh, as we three episodes in, unbelievable. It's now time for our prediction. Your After Buzz <laughs> TV predictions. Not quite halfway through uh, this season of Unbelievable. A lot of things are in play. We got Max in the background. We have uh, you know two form- two detectives from two different areas working together, sometimes with some government involvement. What happens next in this case, and what do you think is going to happen to do with the rest of the season? I think, uh, as I said, I gave away some of the predictions a little bit earlier. Gave away, yeah. I gave it away for free. I gave <laughs> it away, and I think that while they're going to get better toys, as Grace had mentioned, they're going to get bigger budgets and they're going to get more people, more manpower. I think more cooks are going to be in the kitchen, and it might not help them as much as they would like it to. Okay. I think they. I think we're going to find out that it is someone with some kind of police background or in the police department, whether it be in the FBI, police department, somewhere. Because, again, I think you don't give those little red herrings unless it's going to play out in some way, especially since they mentioned how difficult it will be if they do work for the police department. So I think they're going to be a police department person. I have a feeling it's going to be someone that maybe they know. So, yeah, that was my question for you. Have we already met our attacker? I don't think so because they said he's blonde, and I don't know if there's any blonde males we've seen so far. There's no wigs out there. Hair, hair you, aside, I mean, because are we? But that build, because the build yeah. was twenty, like two hundred pounds, but not two hundred pounds. It was uh, medium build, but had a little bit of a gut, a little bit of a belly, right? Yeah. Have we? Do you think we've already seen the background or another situation, or just we haven't seen that person yet? I don't think we've seen that person okay. yet. Okay. And uh, do we think in episode four? So specifically episode four, we're going to get an answer to what Max and Knife really means. Ooh, that's a good question. I will say no. It's still going to be the ongoing... I'm going to throw out episode six. Episode six? Episode six, we find out Max and Knife. I'm write, it, to write it down. <laughs> yeah, because in episode two, I, I asked Alexis, I was like, do you think that the two seconds are going to meet? She goes, definitely yes, and she did. So she's right. So I, I think I'm giving the latitude to be right for our predictions. Right. Uh, I- I'm going to say they're going to save that one. But I, if we're going to k- keep going with the predictions, you had asked if we met the person who it is. I think we're going to meet them in this in episode four. Okay. I think it's going to be our mid-season cliffhanger. Okay. I think we're going to see we're going to see who they are and what they're doing. We're not going to learn. I think it's going to be like, like last second you see him and you're like, that's the guy. It's going to be some blonde 200-pound dude. You're going to with go, a birthmark. With a birthmark. Yeah. A, t- a tattoo of an ass on an ass. It's <laughs> <laughs> a reference to the show, guys. I'm not just saying it randomly. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I got you down for for next episode. We'll, we'll see who it is. You know what? It would be the perfect time. I think that would be the perfect time to see, with all the resources in play, if the, that person is now on, on the receiving end, like almost like on, on like Law & Order Criminal Intent, where we see the criminal... Uh, a perpetrator here seeing that the wall is closing in a bit I would love to see that personally and I hope it does that just a little bit rather than just being like this this forward chase the entire time but episode yeah. episode 4 is pretty much the yeah. spot you're saying yeah if we wait until season 8 to find out who it is then it's just gonna be like oh it's just this random dude yeah as opposed to oh this is 
the bat you need the bad guy we need to see the bad guy i think yeah. and uh i think we're going to see more of him and there we're going to see the two get closer and closer and closer. And my final uh, prediction question for you, uh, do you think that Marie is accepted when she goes to, to Connor's church? I assume it will be in the next episode. Do you think that she'll be accepted? Uh, initially, yes, and then no. Okay. I think something. I think initially they'll, they'll accept her, and then something will happen, and they'll say, we knew you couldn't trust this girl. Okay, that's absolutely fair. Uh, before we wrap this show up, Jack, do you have any final words for us out there? Um, no, like where to find me? No, or, or just find you me. can do that too. I just, just <laughs> but, uh, no, nothing. Uh, I I'm excited about this show. I'm I'm really digging it. the The only thing I'm not super into about it is that I can't just binge it like crazy and watch them all in a row. Right? Because we right. got We got to do this for you guys. Spoiler you're, free. You're, 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 welc- you're welcome, guys. <laughs> you're not watching ahead. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jack, where can the world find you now? Yes, you can find me at jackcfarmer.com or at realjackfarmer across all social media. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to discuss the show even more, but keep it spoiler free. I'm only on episode three so far. The guy's a company man. My name is Flobo Voice. You can find me at Flobo Voice on Twitter, at Flobito on Instagram, and Flobito.com. Stay tuned for episode four later tonight here on the After the Buzz Network, and until then, buzz you later.